0: Maximize your sense of aliveness. Gain new perspectives on health, your body, and the meaning of life. You can control your physiology and how you feel in your body in this moment. Your life will never be the same. This is the Vitality Podcast with Andrea Page.
1: When we start to talk about imbalances in the female body... They are things that uh, are worth talking about because males as well as females are more in balance today than ever in human history. And that imbalance is not surprising because what we see on a human level in our bodies is directly reflected on an ecosphere level, Mother Earth, the Earth body. The original female body, if you will. And of course, because there's such drastic imbalance in her, it's reflected back in us and vice versa. And so they're really the same imbalances if we look at them. Perhaps dehydration, that's an easy one. Tremendous amounts of dehydration in our human body. And this is probably the root of most of our constipation. So... Who knows who's been to this class before? How much water are we supposed to be drinking per day?
0: Really?
1: Yeah, once per, yeah. One liter at least in the morning, if not one and a half, to flush everything out, just like you would shower, wash your outside, wash your inside. Three liters drunk on an empty stomach, that's the amount of water that you lose and use just by waking up in the morning. This is where everyone drinks. I'll join you guys. I
2: have something fun, just because of the whole thing, I thought would be interesting as well. Isn't the water here um, also, most of it's so processed that there's not, you're actually dehydrated even if you're drinking three liters? Like I drink like more like literally like five a day because I do yoga as well. And I was reading that because you're losing all the minerals that the water here.
1: Um, Were you reading that in the book I wrote? <laughs>
2: no, actually I, I learned it from uh, living in the Philippines. It's the same thing someone told me over there. They're like, I'm another health lake. And I, not that you're another health lake, <laughs> I mean, it, of respect, um, someone who knows a lot about health had told me about that, and I was like, that makes so much sense, because for, you know, I'll drink tons of water, and um, obviously, I, I, for me, I, I usually recognize if I'm dehydrated through um, when I urinate, and if that is quite yellow, but I'm like, I drank like three liters, like, how am I still dehydrated? And, uh, so is that true? Like, that's what I've heard, and it makes kind of sense to me.
1: Yeah, we can, and uh, like, we could have a whole hour just talking about water and hydration in and of itself. And if you guys want to come back in two weeks, we can talk about that. Uh, But in general, yes, the water in many parts of the world through municipal city water processing plants, as well as definitely here in, in Bali, is so incredibly filtered. Here we even use a process called reverse osmosis, which is an incredibly effective filtration process. However, it's so effective that it even takes out the minerals as well from the water. And so, natural mineral spring water is the kind of water that we as human beings are, and actually any living being, including animal beings, are meant to be drinking on earth because it's, it's water and proper balance. So, we're back to the idea of balance, right? Balance is health. And so, when you take the minerals out of water, uh, it comes into the body like a processed food would. It's processed water, right? Just like whole food, there's a concept of whole water as well. And so, uh, these things that I added to my water are indeed mineral drops so that we can make the water whole and the body can actually absorb it because quite often if you're drinking water that's not whole, for like most of the water in Bali, then uh, it'll pass right through you untouched and it'll actually make your urine clear and you'll find that you're urinating quite frequently and so those aren't necessarily signs of hydration, they could be signs that your body's letting go of something that it's intended to be holding on to. So there's a lot more there. Whole other conversation in and of itself. If you guys have any other questions, save them to the end, because I might mention something. And I do a really good job at going off on tangents on my own anyway, so I don't need any, <laughs> any stimulation in that respect. But, um, and and I'll, I'll definitely leave some time at the end for questions. So um, when we talk about imbalances in the human body, we can start to uncover the greater complex web of what's going on when we look at all the physiological systems. I was, before we got on the tangent, I was talking about the imbalances, right? So one of them is water. Yeah? Dehydration in the human body, yeah? causing our constipation. And also dehydration in certain parts of the earth body. We're seeing desertification expansively. Right? And of course, the other... Far imbalance of that, uneven monsoon seasons. If you guys have been here in Bali for a few weeks, right, we've had a really rainy past month. It almost never rains like this in July. That's insane, right? So non-seasonal rains. Again, this imbalance, water isn't where it belongs and it's really dry in other places. Right? I know there are probably lots of Australians in this room. Australia has been on like permanent drought now for 10 years. <laughs> right and so we see that definitely these imbalances inside of us are directly reflected outside other imbalances are an overgrowth of pests coupled with a tremendous undergrowth of good bacteria and so this is reflected by the microbiome microbiota the good bacteria in our human system which the earth body also has in her system the first about nine inches or so of top soil is where most of the microbiota should be. However, most soil today, perhaps because it's so dry, is devoid of that good bacteria. And actually, the microbiome of the soil is what fixes nutrients into the roots of the plants and nourishes your food. And so in the end, without a healthy thriving microbiome in the soil, the food that you think you're eating, fruits and vegetables to be well nourished, isn't as full of nutrition as it perhaps could or should be. And so that's something to definitely consider. And on the other respect with that, uh, when we look at the human microbiota, our own gut bacteria, we're finding increasingly that we are actually more bacterial than we are DNA. We have trillions of living bacteria in our body. For every ten elements in our body, nine of them are bacteria. That way outnumbers DNA. You have more bacteria in your gut than there are people on Earth. (laughs) That's pretty crazy. And yet, the bad bacteria, the pests, what we would call disease-causing agents, are outnumbering the good and the good are there to balance us out as well as protect us. As well as do things like make us happy. So if we're going to look at imbalances or hormonal imbalances, one of the big ones is chemical signaling in the brain. And imbalanced chemical signaling in the brain would be what kind of clinical diagnosis? It starts with a D. Depression. Yeah, there you go. Depression. One out of five clients who come through my office have depression circled on their form, 20%. Yeah, And I don't find that the clinical labeling of it, depression, really helps anything or serves anyone. I think, better yet, it's something that comes and goes, perhaps. It's not something that people need to attach to or hold on to, like any disease. But moreover, I relabel it. I call it disconnection. Disconnection from sense of self, from any idea of who you are or why you're here. Purpose. Life on Earth, I would highly recommend an astrology reading. (laughs) In that case, to to deepen into that and redefine. Disconnection. From the soil, microbiome in the soil, the microbiota, the good bacteria in the soil have been proven to be antidepressants, as have certain things like probiotic coconut kefir yogurt, which we have here down at the juice bar. Try some before you leave Bali, that's the strongest probiotic that I've ever found worldwide. Things like this have an ability to balance out brain chemistry. Just by their microbiome activity. So gardening, being out in the sunshine, getting some vitamin D. Some light therapy at the same time as getting dirt under your fingernails. When was the last time you had dirt under your nails? So disconnection, what else? Are we disconnected from? Each other. From any real sense of depth in our relating. Of when we say, Hey, how are you? like, I'm expecting you to say good so that I can go. (laughs) But no, like, hey, how are you? Really, how are you? What's going on for you right now? Let me be fully present with you. And so that deeper sense of connecting is something that we're really, really missing. And so the antidote to depression or this chemical imbalance in the brain. Reconnection on that front. Reconnection to ourself, reconnection to others, reconnection to a community, a sangha, a kula, a family. The sense of being a part of something, of serving a purpose in something greater than yourself and being appreciated for that and recognizing that whatever inherent talents that you have, that you were born on earth to express, that's why they're talents, because that's what you're supposed to be doing you're good at things, you're good at them for a reason. So follow those, the ones that come easy. And serving something that's bigger than your small self. That sense of community, that's a portal for reconnection. So sense of self, connection to others directly, connection to a bigger purpose, a group, connection to the earth. Any sense of where our food comes from that leads us back to the gardening. Right, we're so disconnected from that. If the grocery stores is all over closed tomorrow and there was no more oil, what would you do? I used to teach little, little kids in Shanghai. Right? Ten-year-old kids, I would make them think about this. If you had no more petrol for your car, right, your mama's car, and the grocery store closed forever tomorrow, what would you do? What would you do? And so perhaps one of the most powerful things that you can start with is learning how to make a windowsill garden, right? Learning this much about agriculture or maybe about foraging, about collecting wild growing plants that are right there in your backyard so that you could survive or maybe investing in learning how to fast so that you build that as a tool that you'll be able to use while you figure out how to garden. What would happen if the supermarket shut down? That can be a whole nother lecture. But uh, these, these are real things. And so when we come into our first imbalance that we can clinically label and talk about today, right, an imbalance of chemical secretions in the brain, and there's a whole host of them that would lead to depression, by all means, reconnection is the antidote to this disconnection. Hmm? Okay. So... From there, I want to steep into women's issues particularly, uh, and we'll talk about the physiology of them in a second. I want to just talk about menstruation before we get too much further, because it's something that's massively, wickedly misunderstood in the world. Uh, it's also something which causes tremendous amounts of environmental pollution, and so. Uh, I want to talk about perhaps how to deal with menstruation or how to clean it up before we get into the actual blood itself. Yeah? Um, so normally there are these companies like Kotex and Tampax and all the other ones and then all the Asian off-brands and then all the South American. Yeah? So there are these companies who are making tremendous amounts of money on scale with the greatest of corporations right? because they have the perfect formula for capitalism A disposable product that there's no way you can reuse it that you need required every month by literally half of the population. (laughs) Yeah, so that would be a good business to invest in if you were interested in polluting the planet but making a lot of money from it. Unfortunately, the way that fibers are woven in both things like tampons as well as pads right with the plastic with the cloth with the cotton with the netting with all of that it's very difficult to erode and it will take something like 500,000 years for that to disintegrate and so i mean we don't have that much time i've lived a long time in india where i do a lot of work with women and menstruation and empowering women to go back to what their grandmothers were doing with using cloths if you've ever heard the phrase uh, that was from continental Europe and came over to North America, on the rag, I'm on the rag. Have you heard that? I'm, I'm having my period. That came from actually using a rag or a cloth to catch the blood. And then that, of course, you would wash and use again. Right. And so uh, perhaps one of the most empowering things you could do to find balance, because mind you, what is that? Pollution of the planet, filling up landfills if... It even gets to a landfill rather than being burned like we do here in Bali, just burning trash, right? Like that's normal. And um, when you create that much waste, toxicity, and you pile it up in one place like a landfill, this is exactly what's happening inside of the human body. When the human body is waste and toxicity, it's pushed out from the center and packaged in this nice insular little thing that we call, I don't know, perhaps a tumor. Wink. You see that? Toxicity encapsulated, same thing as a landfill. So these parallels between our human body and the earth body and where we are in the 21st century world are only going to increase. Everything we see outside of us is a reflection of what's going on inside, on every level. And so, what would I say on a physical level? Well, I would say start to limit the amount of toxicity that you're taking into your body, by all means. Yeah? You're not going to leave here and go and have McDonald's, right? Because we boycotted McDonald's five years ago and didn't allow it to come into UBUD. (laughs) Or, like, what is it, Mission Street in San Francisco? But uh, anyway in the earth body as well, maybe we would all benefit from a little bit prevention of toxicity, from not adding to the toxic load, not using those chemical shampoos and conditioners and makeup and creams, which are not only being absorbed directly into our human skin within 26 seconds of exposure, so all those chemicals that you can't read on the back of all your bathroom products, go home tonight, this is homework. And look at what's there in your bathroom, and your little travel kits. Look at all those ingredients. 26 seconds is all it takes. And then when they run off, right, they run directly into the sewage. And they run into the earth where they're polluting the earth body. You see that? So it's like a lose-lose situation, which I like win-win situations much better. Moreover, when we look at what we're giving, for example, on January 1st this year... Uh, I really I said you know what this is enough like this whole plastic bag thing this just isn't worth it I was on the beach in the south of Bali cleaning up and I for an hour I cleaned up and at the end it looked like I had done this much and that's the reality of where we are in the world and when we throw something away there is no place that's away (laughs) you know and so bringing it in a little closer And so I'll bring it back to menstrual pads and female products like that, right? There is just no acceptable way about it. The good news is that the whole rag has been reinvented. (laughs) The company that I work with in uh, India is um, an awesome company making women's menstrual pads that are reusable and they're really really awesome and and comfortable and um, there's a link on my website if you're interested to learn more. We also have companies in Bali which are selling similar products um, but checking out some reusable menstrual pads. Secondarily an alternative to the tampon which of course has its own host of Uh, risks to it because it's this like semi-absorbent thing that absorbs things but then keeps that toxic wetness right there so it can be reabsorbed into the body and An alternative to that would be some kind of menstrual cup and a menstrual cup is a silicone cup for many of you This might be a new idea a silicone cup that you insert the same way you would a tampon and then that cup is going to fill up just a few ounces I think it's one and a half or something of menstrual blood and then you have to remove it two, three times a day depending like you would change a tampon and empty it, right? Wash it and then put it back in. And this is, you're going to do this right now. This is, <laughs> he's like, I'm <laughs> <on my> a girlfriend. <laughs> so uh, when you put your cup in, this is, this is like the biggest solution of amazingness in the world, right? Then it just, it hangs out there the menstrual blood, until you empty it. There's no chance of it necessarily being reabsorbed unless you're laying down or going upside down. But in general, it's a really great way to get things out without having any waste. All right, so menstrual cup, reusable disposable pads. That's your homework. (laughs) Some of you are like, I'm past menopause. Can we stop talking about menstruation? (laughs) One last thing. One last thing. Now that we know how to uh, properly deal with menstruation, uh, we have to reflect upon what it is, really. Not many women know, but uh, menstruation itself is a form of detoxification. Of course, the uterine lining is releasing once a month, every 28 days or so. Our moon cycle, hopefully it's cycled up to the actual moon itself. We're supposed to menstruate on the inward time, the new moon time. Yeah, that works. And then fertility is at its highest during the full moon stage. Yeah, so check out a lunar calendar or any Balinese calendar if you haven't recently and see where your own menstrual cycle is. If you have no idea about your menstrual cycle, this was one of the very first ways. I'm going to share something personal. I don't do that very often. One of the very first wake-up calls to me uh, when I was like, whoa, I don't know anything about my body. I was young. I was studying. And one of my peers, one of my classmates, was like, oh, I know my period's going to come very soon because this and this and this happened. And I was so disconnected from my body at that point. I was so much in living life and doing things, and if my body didn't behave, then, you know, doing something to shut my body up, which is very different than where I am now, teaching people how to be on the same team as their body and listen to what their body is saying. Right? But when she said that she knew her period was coming, I was like, hey, hey, could I ever know that my period was about to come? And and my answer to myself was no. And so that was a big wake-up call to, wow, I I would be behooved to start paying attention to the signals. And so many of you, I mean, you're at that stage in life, and it might have been like a growing up thing too. I I mean, I'd only had my period for a few years then. But at the point in time where you start to realize certain things that change through the month, right? You start to... Pay attention to vaginal discharge. That can tell you when ovulation is happening. You can get to know your cycle a whole lot more. There are lots of applications on the cell phone or the smartphone that can tell you how to track your menstrual cycles. I would highly recommend that you tune in to those and that you start to track them. And then you can compare month to month and continue to learn about your body. Become that scientist collecting data in this human body. So anyway, back to menstruation and what it is. Of course, it's the opposite side of this phase of ovulation uh, where we, we pass through a cycle every month. And the part where we have three to five days or so of bleeding, of menstruation, is a time where the uterine lining, as I said, is shedding and it's going out and away. But it's just like if someone were taking out the trash, right? they were taking something out anyway, that's the exit, the exit down here, And I I said, wait, I have this to throw away. Will you also take it with you? And they go and they say, yeah, sure. And then take it out. That's logical, right? It just makes sense. Well, your body is very logical. Your body really makes sense. And so it does the same thing. Thus, menstruation is a form of detoxification. Since something is going out anyway, you're going to throw something in to take it out with it. In fact... This is why the Native Americans decided to make sweat lodges only for men. Have you heard of that? It wasn't a women's thing. It was only a men's thing because it was to kind of, you know, even the stakes. Women had this extra time every month to be able to detoxify. Right? So men made the sweat lodge. And that's why it's a traditionally only male practice. So in terms of menstruation, that means that what's taken out the, the rubbish itself is telling you a whole lot about your toxic load. And so you better bet that every month I bleed, I look and I reflect upon the past month and how toxic or not I've been to my body. And so this is something I would encourage you to start doing. Are there lots of blood clots and clumps? Is it dark and goopy and thick? I can tell you that when I am living a very clean, perhaps the cleanest diet... That the blood runs freely, that it's painless, that it's almost bright red. And it's three days and then it's over and it's like it came and went, no problem. And so women who have incredibly painful periods where they can't move, they're in agony, right? And this is another one of those victimization, why me kinds of things. Where we feel like we have no responsibility in the matter. Well, I'm sorry, I love you. And I'm here to tell you that you have full responsibility in your illness, in your dis-ease. And because of that, you also have full power to heal it. To empower the body to balance itself out and to come back to health. And so, in one sense, if that's discouraging, it's also exciting we can be honest in all of those emotions. Right? So when we look at menstruation, yeah, by all means, there's a lot going on. There are other conditions which I talked about, and we did a lecture only maybe a month and a half ago about women's issues and digestive issues, and we talked about endometriosis. Endometriosis is a big one today. It's when we have the endometrian layer, with the lining, certain cells uh, from the uterus itself are now replicating and growing outside of the uterus. This is what endometriosis is. If you ask any gynecologist, any specialist, OBGYN, whatever it is, they're going to tell you, yeah, we don't really know what it is or how to cure it. Try this medication, painkiller, anti inflammatory, whatever it is. Right? Run of the mill. No idea. And yet, there are very compelling case studies out there, very compelling epidemiological population-based studies, where we start to track the fact that endometriosis is highest in rates of large toxicity. One of the most endometrial outgrowth, what can I say, (laughs) causing chemicals is dioxin. Have you guys heard of dioxin? kind of just asked you, it's like, have you heard of the Grim Reaper? <laughs> yeah, dioxin's a little bit like that. Dioxin is one of the many chemicals involved that is a result of burning plastic, of taking these inorganic, synthetically made compounds, right, often petroleum-based, and burning them. Right? This is like what you smell sometimes when they burn trash in Bali. We thought Bali was paradise, and then we came here. And you smell that, and that's dioxin. And so there are very large correlations between areas of the world where there is high level of dioxin release and toxicity, which is one of the most dangerous chemicals today. And this is all man-made stuff. And endometriosis. All right. So when we say uh, we have no idea of the cause of it, right, or some just just some women have it. Or maybe even we would get to the point where we would say, It's normal if you're over the age of thirty. God forbid it's normal. It's not normal. Any disease is not normal. Disease is not normal. Ease is normal. Your body wants to heal itself. We have a big confusion today with average in society and normal. You see that? It's kind of like constipation. Right? Who thought going once a day was normal? most hands in the room should be up, yeah, but you only thought that because that's what most people do, that doesn't mean that that's what a healthy working human body does, so do you see that difference between normal and healthy, because the norm today is not health, unfortunately, yeah, about 70% of people will develop some kind of diet or lifestyle related disease. In this lifetime, and that number is strikingly high and super scary. And yet, the five most prevalent maladies of our time heart disease, diabetes, autoimmune diseases, cancer, and obesity are all completely possible, preventable, and reversible through diet and lifestyle change. All right? So, again, this stuff doesn't have to happen if we can take our health back into our own hands. So when we reflect on menstruation, when we reflect on other issues in the female reproductive area, like endometriosis, which we've figured out thus far, is probably withholding of toxins. You brought up the one about PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, by all means. Cystic. Cyst. 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 And this isn't like cyst sister. It's not with an S, it's with a C. Y. Yeah. <laughs> that cyst is a lot like that landfill, like that tumor. You see that? So what's going on there? Well, our body had some toxicity that for whatever reason, it couldn't or wouldn't or didn't let go of. It was constipated. Perhaps the woman herself is constipated. And thus her level of detoxifying isn't how it should be and so the toxicity is held inside and this is the root really of disease as we understand it in natural healing auto-intoxication self-toxifying and so when that toxicity is held inside for whatever reason it's stored right there in the ovary why not (laughs) yeah pretty crazy huh? starting to make sense a little bit? Let's clean out these landfills, let's not put anything else in them. The landfills in our body, I mean. So when we look at female directive reproductive organs, uh, and we look at imbalances that females are experiencing today, by all means these are important ones, oh my goodness, is it already time? No, I have ten minutes left, all right, let's see what I can do in ten minutes. we, we, we see so clearly that there are issues of toxicity, there are issues of constipation, right? Because the 21st century world is a toxic world, we can't avoid that. That's the reality of what it is. You just simply need to be able to process toxins, let them go faster. Yeah, colon hydrotherapy, specifically gravity colon hydrotherapy, moreover, Woods method gravity colon hydrotherapy is the only, if not the best, way that I've found in 15 years of searching to be able to unload the tremendous amount of toxins that we've already loaded. So check that out when you guys get home. Our clinic's pretty fully booked (laughs) out for the next two weeks for the detox retreat. Uh, But come back to Bali if you'd like. And the last kind of female reproductive area issue that I want to talk about, because it's a real one, it's a real, real, real one, is infertility. Another thing, thing, can I call it a thing? Another issue that is skyrocketing today, unlike ever before. I mean, hello, <laughs> isn't that the sign of a species demise when they become infertile? Shouldn't that be a little bit of a wake-up call? Oh, no, don't worry, we have IBS. Oh, no, don't worry, we have this or that. or you can always adopt. Yeah, you definitely can always adopt. But why don't we ask the question, why are we so infertile? Maybe we'll take it a little less personally if we externalize it and look at the mother Earth body. Why wouldn't plants grow? Who can tell me? Why wouldn't a seed be able to reproduce? Because the soil that it's in is either malnourished or toxic. Very good, Kate. That was a simple one. All right, if it's that easy to look at it outside of the body, can we reflect on our own scenarios? The soil that it's in, our human body, is not nourished enough or is too toxic for the seed to plant and thrive. This is not a hormonal issue. Very few hormonal issues are actually hormonal issues in the human physiology. The hypothalamus links the endocrine system to the nervous system. So these are not issues of hormonal signaling, because the hormonal signaling is like What's my good analogy? It could be like a stoplight where it's red or green or yellow. And it's always switching. It's either red or green or yellow. The stoplight isn't like a traffic controller deciding who should go or when should go or no, that car needs to go or this woman's in a hurry or that person's about to give labor so I'm going to turn this light green. It doesn't do that. It just goes red or green or yellow. It takes orders from the central command unit the central command unit up here in our brain responds directly to the nervous system to so this back and forth between activation and relaxation sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system the flight or fight and the rest and digest which one do you think that we're in most of the time today Light or fight. Yeah, that's the twenty-first century world. All that toxicity. You better believe that it's going to make us a little bit on edge. It's like getting drunk. Ever thought of that? The word for getting drunk: intoxication. Intox toxication. No, you never thought. Isn't that crazy that we never th- we go this many years in our life and never think of that? Right? And someone who's drunk is definitely, right? They're in flight or fight. <laughs> you see that? There's that kind of rah energy. That's my sound effect for drunk. <laughs> All right. And so we find, for sure, that we are way too active in the sympathetic nervous system. Not nearly enough time for relaxation and restoration. And that's, that's merely being a human today. We have far too much to worry about. We're so disconnected from the natural flow of things that we're constantly in survival mode, in fear of if we can pay our bills, in fear of if we can pay our kids or feed our kids, in fear of if we'll have a job the next year, whatever it is, because we're so disconnected. We're so isolated. We're not in these cohesive family units. Like here in Bali... We still do have cohesive family units, not only at the familial level, but also on the community level, on the banjar level. If you've realized, there are lots of really tight-knit communities. And so there's this big anthropological concept of a social risk network. That if something goes wrong in my life and shit hits the fan, there's going to be someone there to take care of me just by virtue of my placement in that community. But remember, when we talked about disconnection, are disconnected from any sense of community in our overly individualistic 21st century world modernization we call it right? god forbid if anything <laughs> happens to us there's no guarantee that there's anywhere there to take care of us and so this is what instills that fear day after day thinking that we need to do or be or have something else does that make sense So that's super important to realize one of the many reasons why we're so much in flight or fight today. And because of that constant stress, we will find a whole host of imbalances in hormonal secretion. Yeah, It's like the command unit isn't working, so the stoplight stops going from red to yellow to green, and it's always on red. Hypothyroidism. periods not coming, skipped periods, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever it is, depression in the brain. And so we simply have to come back to the nervous system, that central command unit, and balance out there. And so indeed yoga, these meditative practices, are perhaps one of the best ways to hack directly into that central command unit. That's what meditation is. Open that stoplight box. Figure out how stuff works in here. Reprogram your mind. Become aware of these thoughts and the effect that they have on your body. Because women today simply are stressed more than ever before in human history, because we're not only doing the women's job, our biological imperative right, of getting pregnant, raising the family, doing all the mother things to support and feed the kids. But we've also decided to wear the pants, take the men's job, and go to work and have a career, and be driven and be successful on that front. And I'm not saying that anything's wrong with that. That's amazing. But can we have both and do it without being so stressed? I don't know. I mean, I'm not here to have a discussion about gender roles. <laughs> there are lots of men at home who are being stay-at-home dads. That's pretty awesome. If that takes some stress off the woman. But we can't, I mean, we can't, we can't necessarily have it all if it's going to result in a tremendous amount of stress because that stress is what's going to disrupt our entire hormonal signaling system. And it all begins in the brain. Does that make sense? And so when we tap deep into our physiology, we can also figure out how to hack the central command unit by doing things like taking deep breaths. Everyone take a deep breath with me. Long, expansive, slow, jaw-relaxed breath. (sighs) Yeah. Doing that ten times is enough to turn the traffic light from red to green from halt and stress to response and rest. Turning from parasympathetic or from sympathetic stress response to parasympathetic relaxation response. 10 deep breaths, that's all it takes. And so this is what we do time and time again in yoga and it's, it's no surprise at all that it's becoming so popular today. And the real disconnect here is that all the research on yoga and meditation, it's not really taking seat or it's not really seen as serious because we, you know, we look at yoga and meditation and we say like, oh yeah, they're good, they're stress relievers. But guess what? The system of allopathic medicine doesn't really acknowledge stress as a primary cause of disease. And I mean a primary cause. They see it as one of many or a myriad of causes of things like hypertension or hormonal imbalance or whatever it is. It's stress and this or that. But they don't have a medication that they can give you to counter stress unless it's like happy pills, (laughs) right? And so it's not something that's really seen clinically or at least discussed. And so there's a big disconnect there between allopathic medicine or science, science research or research and development in general and, and stress but because there's such clarity between the yoga meditation research and stress, right, it's like not implanting. and So until we acknowledge that it's not your hormones <laughs> that are in balance, that it's not the traffic lights fault, that it's coming from somewhere else. That the stress is what's making this machine not working anymore. And that's what's making the traffic light, the hormonal signaling imbalance. Right? Until we get that, until we understand that, until allopathic medicine can admit that, right? that yoga research isn't going to be so heavy. But thankfully, hopefully, more people are doing yoga today than ever, and we will continue to, and continue to make it not just like a once a week kind of thing, but make it a daily practice to the point where you become your own teacher and you can remind yourself to take those deep breaths. And you can figure out what's going on in your head and the messages you're sending yourself. And the last thing that I kind of want to spend just a brief moment on talking about uh, is a little bit about the solution, of course. I've talked enough about the problem, right? So we talked about solutions in terms of the earth body preventing pollution, preventing toxicity, further toxicity, relaxing more. Increasing our microbiota, so taking probiotics. I prefer food form. Right? And also composting on the soil. That's what helps to increase the microbiome of the soil. Right? But also something else is fasting, what we started talking about at the very beginning of this evening. Because fasting is simply the time where everything balances, qua, meaning everything heals fastest. And that's what happens. It's like, just turn off the central processing unit, let it chill, let it cool down for a while, and then when you turn it back on, the red green light thing's gonna work again. You see that? So we turn off the digestive system, which can take up to 70% of all available energy. We allow everything to rest and chill and restore and heal and rebalance so that when we turn it on again and start eating, these hormonal imbalances or even things like blood pressure. Last month, a woman who had taken high blood pressure medication for 15 years decided on her own to stop taking it a few weeks before the detox. She came and within four days of fasting, she was testing not only at normal but healthy normal blood pressure. 15 years. Fasting simply allows this time and space to balance. And the thing is that the medication does the exact opposite. It causes this constant state of imbalance. It's like telling a lie to your body again and again and again and again. And that doesn't allow for balance ever. Because if your body's imbalanced and then you're taking a medication in, and this includes birth control pills, ladies, sorry that's creating this fallacy, this lie, or this falsehood of balance, then all of a sudden, the body's never going to reproduce it. It's like, it's like if we were to tape a green piece of paper over the green light. <laughs> right? It's not actually the light that's working. Do you see that? And so definitely we have to start to taper down the medication and even take ourselves off of it to find a way back to balance and I was teaching uh, on a yoga teacher training, I was teaching physiology and one of the girls there asked me, yeah, but when we look at this with like antidepressants, doesn't that stimulate or spur balance, like the medication, doesn't it start a process and uh, I mean, I was kind of like, whoa, no, no, it doesn't and I, I have, I hopefully, one of my podcasts is including my famous chapstick theory. All my theories have really complicated, sophisticated names, like chapstick theory. Chapstick theory, ladies and gentlemen, is, have you ever started to use chapstick and you realize that like two hours later, you're like, "Mm, I'd like some chapstick. And then a half hour after that, you're like, where's my chapstick? And then an hour later, you're like, "Mm, I need some chapstick right now. You find out that as you start to use chapstick that you want more and you kind of almost get addicted to it. Has anyone found this? Yeah. Yeah, I see some heads nodding. What's happening in the human body, let's take it super simple, is that we've put lubricant on from outside. And so that's messaged to our system to stop self-lubricating, to stop producing our own internal lubrication because it's coming from outside. So that's what happens an hour later, a half hour later, when you have chapped, dry lips because your body has gotten the signal that it's not needed that its own self-lubrication isn't needed. So you go and you put on some more chopstick, and it's like going another ring down into this downward spiral, (laughs) right? Where at the end you're just going to have really dry lips, and you'll have greatly supported the chopstick industry. (laughs) You see that? And so her question of like wouldn't the medication that I'm taking stimulate my body to start producing more hormones would be like, wouldn't me using chapstick stimulate my body to start producing its own chapstick? No. You've seen this in your own life. It creates more and more dryness and dependency. Same thing with medication. And that's in every interest of the pharmaceutical companies because cha-ching that means that you'll be buying that medication every single day for the rest of your life. Does that make sense? And so I'm really excited to be able to hold the space for people who want to empower themselves. I hope that I don't get pharmaceutical companies tracking me down after this. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, yeah, when people make their own decisions that they want to take their health back into their own hands and to find this balance, which is health. Because I'm here to tell you that it's possible. And it's not only possible, but it's directly in your reach. And you deserve it. And we can be the ones to rebirth this balanced world. And this balanced body. So keep tuning in here to learn more. And I'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Vitality Podcast. Please click over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review to spread this work with the world. You have a part in transforming humanity's health. Keep enjoying this free resource and make sure to give back by sharing, subscribing, and checking out all of Andrea's work at liveforvitality.com, where you can find links to Instagram and other social media. Andrea also gives astrology readings, holds online fasting retreats, and teaches detox courses and advanced yoga teacher trainings. So come to liveforvitality.com and let Andrea transform your life now.